Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the 12th Sunday after Pentecost, and our order of service today begins with the service of word and sacrament on page 26. Let's open right now by singing hymn number 416, How Firm a Foundation. disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior, Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us and has given His only Son 
to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading for this 12th Sunday after Pentecost is our sermon text for today. So we'll begin by looking at our epistle reading from Romans chapter 9. This is a reading in which Paul expresses his anguish for the Jewish people and, and expresses his own willingness to face the punishment to be cursed for their sake so that they could enjoy God's blessings. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Alleluia. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Alleluia. the Sea of Galilee and then Jesus walking out to them on the water. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. 
Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Reading like this, well, Peter, he, he started sinking because he didn't look to Jesus, but when he did sink, he did look to Jesus and knew where his help came from. But a story like this just reminds us how as we face life's trials and troubles, we too can kind of walk on water when we keep on looking to Jesus. We don't have to sink when we're looking to him. Let's continue with the next hymn. Hymn number 433, Jesus, Savior, Pilot Me. chapter 19, verses 9 to 18. There Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, 
and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death by the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, who art our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow servants of our Savior, when Martin Luther was a young man, he was often very distressed and troubled because he could look at himself and he heard the priest talk about what sin was and he knew that he was a sinner and he knew that he had broken God's law and he was absolutely convinced that he was going to hell. And now you can well imagine under those circumstances his being very depressed and being in an attitude of despair in the course of his life. But then Luther was pointed to the gospel. The Holy Spirit worked on his heart to show him the forgiveness of sins and the fact that Christ's righteousness, his holiness, was his own. And that just made a complete turnaround in his life and gave him joy that he didn't have in his earlier years. But he still had those times in his life when he was down in the dumps, when things troubled him, when he was ready to despair. And, well, on one such occasion, what happened is that Catherine, his wife, he 
she noticed that he was down in the dumps and she did everything that she could to try to cheer him up and finally when nothing was working, when she couldn't cheer him up, what she decided to do is she decided to put on her black widow's garment. And well, she wore that garment and she was moping and mourning around the house and, and Luther noticed and he said, who has died? Who is dead? And Kate responded by saying, God. And Luther said, don't be foolish. And Kate responded to that by saying, well, my dear doctor, you are so downhearted that I concluded God must be dead, and so I put on my mourning apparel. This is a very familiar story, but what happened is that Luther understood the lesson that his wife was trying to teach her. He, he embraced her and Oh, forgot about his cares, the things that had gotten him so down in the dumps. And he remembered how blessed he was because he had a Savior. Following that, he probably did have different times of depression in his life. But, but at this point, he was picked up. He was picked up because of how his wife dealt with him. And how Kate dealt with Luther with a downhearted husband. So in our text, we see the Lord dealing with a downhearted prophet with Elijah. And he shows us how the Lord deals with us when we are downhearted. How the Lord deals with us when we are downhearted. When we're downhearted, what the Lord does is he he listens to our troubles, he responds to our troubles, and he calls us to his service, into his service. As our reading begins, Elijah is really down in the dumps. He, he had hoped at this point that everything would be great and wonderful, but he was down in the dumps. He felt like everything was going wrong because he had just confronted the prophets of Baal with this challenge, a very familiar story. He challenged 450 prophets of Baal to a contest. Both he and the prophets of Baal would make an altar, put a sacrifice on it, and then they would each call on their God to send down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Well, Elijah let the prophets of Baal go first. They set up their altar. They called upon Baal to send down fire from heaven. They even cut themselves thinking that that might catch Baal's attention and lead him to do something, but but nothing happened, and of course, nothing could happen because Gale, Baal is just an idol, an idol God. He's an idol God, and he could do absolutely nothing for those prophets. Then it was Elijah's time.
turn. He prayed, and what happened is that the Lord sent down such fire from heaven that it consumed the sacrifice, the altar, and, well, just to show God's power, Elijah had had water poured all over the altar and the sacrifice. It consumed all of that as well. And now under those circumstances, Elijah thought, oh, this is great. There's finally going to be a re reformation in Israel. The people were chanting, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Again, Elijah thrilled. He figured a reformation coming, but King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, they just continued to go after Elijah. They wanted to have him dead, and so Elijah had to flee. And imagine how downhearted he had to be at this point when he thought everything could be just right, and it wasn't. Elijah had fled out into the desert, and he found a cave in which to hide at the time of our reading. Then the Lord came to him and asked, What are you doing here, Elijah? With that question, the Lord may have wanted the prophet to think about how his being out there in the desert, in the cave, that that wasn't doing anyone any good. Secluded in a cave like that. Elijah the prophet, he could have been sharing God's word with people, with someone who needed to hear it. And today, what we can say is that the Lord is asking us a similar question, asking us, what are you doing here today in this world? And when we consider that question, what are you doing here in this world? Well, there are plenty of things that we have to do in this life just to continue to live and exist. But when you get right down to it, the main reason why believers are here on this earth is because God is giving us an opportunity to keep on growing in our faith so that then what we can do is share the faith that we have with those who don't know about Jesus and while also sharing the faith that we have with the people around us who, who can benefit from our sharing our faith with them. We want to help one another out as believing children of God. And now, when we're doing everything in our lives, at, at, at work, at school, recreation, or home, when we're doing all of that to the glory of God, then we're going to truly be blessed. That doesn't mean we're not going to have problems in this life. It means that we're going to have, though, the greatest sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy in our lives when we're serving our Savior and growing in His grace and love. Well, Elijah responded to the Lord by complaining. He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death 
with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. With his words, maybe it seems as if Elijah was boasting, but he wasn't really boasting here. He had zealously served the Lord. He preached the gospel, proclaimed the coming Savior. But most of the Israelites rejected the message that he proclaimed. And well, they rejected the gospel promise. They rejected the Lord. And it's not surprising, therefore, that Elijah felt all alone. He was fleeing for his life at this particular time. Now, it's true that what Elijah didn't really need to do at this point in time is he didn't really need to be complaining to God, to the Lord. What he really should have been doing is just simply placed his problem in the care of the Lord, then faithfully gone about his God-given responsibilities and trusted in God to take care of the situation. But at least he was presenting his problem to the Lord. He didn't need to complain like he did, but he did present his problem to the Lord, and ultimately we'd say that was good because the Lord does listen to our troubles. He does want us to come to him. Likewise, let's never fail to take whatever troubles we have in our lives to the Lord. You know, Scripture does say, the Apostle Peter says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. God didn't respond to Elijah's complaint by agreeing with him, though. Instead, he said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And our reading tells us, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain, mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind came and there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Upon hearing that gentle whisper, what Elijah did is he pulled his cloak over his face because he knew that in that gentle whisper, the Lord had revealed himself to Elijah. In that gentle whisper or a still small voice, as the old King James Version put it, God was here revealing to Elijah that he felt alone and troubled because he was allowing the earthquakes and the winds and the fires of this earth to drag him down, to make him despair. And he wasn't hearing the gentle whisper of God's word. What Elijah was doing, sadly, is he was concentrating so much on the fact that Ahab and Jezebel wanted him dead, wanted to get him out of the picture, 
that he seems to have forgotten about the fact that he was a believing child of God, that he was forgiven of all of his sins, that he was an heir of eternal life in heaven. And now see, sometimes we can be just like Elijah. Sometimes we don't hear the gentle whisper of God's word. For example, we may get ourselves so busy that we just don't take the time to hear God's word in worship or to study God's word in Bible class or on our own. And maybe for some reason we just don't want to listen to the word of God because maybe we're caught up in some sort of a sin that that is separating us from God and we don't want God to speak to us and show us our sin. There can be times when we would even think that God just doesn't care or understand what's going on in our life. And if those things are happening, then the earthquakes and the fires and the winds of this life, they cause us to forget about God's gospel promises. But now think about it. When you think about the worst problems, the worst possible problems that could affect us in this life, well, what could they really do to us? Could those problems ever cancel God's grace and love for us? Could those problems ever cancel God's grace and love for us? And the answer is, of course, no, they can't. No problem, not even death, could rob us of God's grace and love unless we were to reject God's grace and love. That's why we need to regularly and faithfully and often hear the gentle whisper of God's word so that it can work on our hearts, so that the Holy Spirit can work on our hearts. That message that Jesus lived and died for us and paid for all of our sins so that we can look forward to eternal life. So it, that message, that gentle whisper keeps strengthening us in our faith so that we aren't distracted by the problems and troubles of this life. Oh, Alexander has a videotape, or I should say had, probably still have it over at the house, a videotape that he watched over and over again when he was much younger. It was called The Little Engine That Could. Maybe you've seen it in, in one scene in that video. There was an engine that was pulling a train that broke down. And when it broke down, there was a bird and a clown that were in the train that were arguing whether or not another engine would come along to take them over the mountain. And as they were arguing, what happened is another engine passed them by, but they were arguing so much, their arguing consumed them so much that they didn't see the fact that there was the answer for them in that engine that was passing by. They forgot their need 
for an engine. Likewise, Elijah, in our reading for today, he was so consumed by his problems and troubles that he forgot about, well, how blessed he was as a believing child of God. And he also couldn't find any of the 7,000 other believers that our reading tells us were there in Israel, people who had not yet bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 left in the northern kingdom of Israel, and they could have been encouraging and supporting one another, but they weren't. We will have our problems and our troubles in this life, but let's never let those problems and troubles so consume us that we forget about how blessed we are as the believing children of God that we are. And also, let's never forget about the fact that there are other believers in our church and in our campus ministry and in our synod and, well, in our world. And those other Christians who are there in the world, well, they can encourage and support us and we, of course, can encourage and support them, build them up so that neither they nor we would ever have to be down in the dumps like Elijah was. After responding to Elijah's troubles, the Lord then called Elijah back into his service. He had kings and his own successor to anoint. This was to remind, this calling him back into service was to remind Elijah and us that God is always in control. And he's always working for the good of those who believe in him. As the Lord called Elijah into his service, so he also calls us into his service. When Elijah was hiding as he was in that cave, well, the fact of the matter is, is he really had too much time to think and to focus on the trials and the troubles that he was faced with in this life. And, and that's what led him to be downhearted led him to despair. Had he been faithfully serving the Lord, he wouldn't have had the time to dwell on his troubles like he did and, and let them, the fact that he had those troubles lead him into the despair that he did. That's why We'll want to be as close to the Savior as we possibly can, as close to the Savior and his word and to service in his kingdom. That's why we'll want to do that because then our time is spent not in focusing on our troubles but in serving God and in recognizing how blessed we are as his children and not concentrating on life's trials and troubles. A well-known psychiatrist, Carl Menninger, was once asked what a person suffering from 
depression should do. And it's kind of interesting, his response. He didn't say that the person should go to a psychiatrist. He didn't try to strum up business for himself. Instead, he said, lock up your house, go across the railroad tracks, find someone in need, and do something to help that person. Often, those people who are suffering from depression need medical help, and that's something that we do need to recognize, of course. But isn't the psychiatrist's answer here the answer that the Lord gave to a downhearted Elijah, getting him to realize how blessed he was as a believing child of God and getting him back to work so that he didn't have time to concentrate on his trials and troubles. <laughs> Likewise, isn't that what, isn't that how the Lord deals with us when we're downhearted as well? Through the gentle whisper of his word, what he's always telling us is how blessed we are as believing children of God. He's drawing us always closer to his grace and mercy and love so that we can see how blessed we are. And through that gentle whisper, we're motivated to serve our Savior by sharing that message of God's grace and love. Well, the Lord deals with us when we're downhearted. He speaks to us, tells us how blessed we are, and works to get us to tell others how blessed they can be in Jesus too. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And let's confess our faith with the Nicene Creed. It is on page 31. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. 
We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merit and mediation of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, as we live in a sinful world, we understand how Luther would struggle with depression. We understand how Elijah also dealt with depression. And, and in our own lives, well, we too deal with that from time to time just because we're in a sinful world. Lord God, please help us as we would face being down in the dumps in this life Help us always to remember how blessed we are because you in your grace and mercy have called us to faith and has made us believing children of God and heirs of heaven. We're so blessed and because we're blessed, we have such a wonderful privilege in front of us, a responsibility in front of us to share the message of your grace and your mercy and love. As we think about all the people in our congregation dealing with different trials and troubles, well, we know, Lord God, that you're going to listen to their cries, to our cries, to you for their help. Please, if it's according to your will, grant healing, but always keep on granting more of your grace and mercy and love. We pray this in Jesus, our Savior's name, and in his name we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home 
Sweet home, God bless America, my home, sweet home. Thank you for joining me for worship today. Just a few announcements to share with you as usual. Well, in the congregation this week, Monday, Sue Patterson's birthday, Thursday, Bev Williams, Friday, Emily Holland, and Saturday, Monique Pierre. Oh, and today is Gabriel Purdy's birthday. Please do look at the prayer list. Nothing new on that list to think about. Uh, Oh, Paula's always got more people that she keeps in our, keep, wants us to keep in our prayers so that they would know about God's grace and mercy and love and, well, keep on praying for the spread of the gospel. That's the one thing that can pick up anybody when he's down. The Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.